Hi everyone, I'm Christina Burnett, your host for the It's Natural podcast. On today's episode, we are talking to the founders of the skin brand My July, Michaela and Dawn. My July is a thoughtful, nourishing skincare line that was birthed out of the need Michaela was facing due to her chronic illness of Lyme disease. Michaela graciously shares her story and gets very vulnerable about her long journey with Lyme and how that's been a decades-long journey for her and her mother to sort through. We also talk about the importance of self-care and what that looks like for them and how they take care of themselves as business owners and as someone who is suffering from chronic illness. And it was so beautiful to have this mother and daughter duo on together because they really did give a dynamic perspective on Michaela, who is dealing with chronic illness, and then Dawn, who it's like to watch your child struggle for such a long time without a diagnosis. And throughout this journey, how their skincare line was birthed out of the need for clean care to help Michaela's skin issues that she was suffering from, but also to spread awareness about what it's like to live with an invisible disease and to be chronically ill. And as you will see this in this episode, they are both so optimistic and bright lights and their, how they share their story. Michaela and I met online as one does these days, and I've been following her on Instagram. But I really do appreciate the perspective she gives in her stories um, because she shares what it's like to be chronically ill in such a very authentic way because it's, she shows and shares with being chronically ill, and especially with Lyme disease, there's a lot of cohabitating symptoms that are flaring up here and there unexpectedly, which she will share further. But on her social, I really appreciate how she shares how one day she can be doing something, whether it's for my July or supporting a friend or going to events or something fun, but how maybe the next day, then that can take a toll and she'll have to recover. And I really just appreciate how vulnerable she is in sharing the ups and downs of being someone who's chronically ill and doing it in a way, but doing it in a way that still shows her creativity. And, and I feel that the value she adds and how she shares and for one, she shares in such a creative way. She shows how creative she is. I love it. And her style is on par, but she also shares it from I think to help both sides to help. So if you are someone dealing with chronic illness, she has a great account to follow. But also if you just know someone or wanted to be supportive of people who are chronically ill, again, her account's great. And and the way she shares, it shows the dynamics of what it is. But I think you'll really love this episode. And just like on social, Michaela and her mom, Dawn, are such a dynamic duo. And you'll see that in this episode. So let's get into it. I'm Michaela. I am a lifestyle entrepreneur and freelance content creator and small business owner living in LA. I also recently just launched a chronic illness online course, which we will probably get on later in this podcast episode, but I also run a skincare company with my mom that was born out of my chronic illness, which we will also get on later in this podcast episode. 
And I'm Dawn. I'm the co-founder of My July. Um, unlike Michaela, I don't have any chronic illnesses or allergies or anything, any sensitivities that I'm aware of at this point. But uh, through our research, when we created My July, we realized how many chemicals and toxins they put in products that doctors will say use on your child. So I, and um, I'm sure a lot of others who don't have all the sensitivities, choose not to use all these chemicals and things on my skin. I'd rather use something that's clean and healthy. And as a fan, I love your guys' oils and lotions. They're so, somebody who has allergies, but also has just dry skin. I just love how nourishing your guys is. They're just so, my skin just like absorbs them so quickly too. But I know I've talked to Michaela a little bit before, and actually I was interested more in your story, Dawn, of just how you've gotten into My July and how that kind of began. I know it obviously was inspired by Michaela, but just the knowledge behind it, were you at all into, you know, making different formulas for yourself previously, or was it just all within recent years? It was basically just because of her and all her sensitivities even though we we did use things that were natural, like you would get at the health food store, she was so sensitive to very specific things that we decided, well, let's see if we can come up with some sort of a formula using a base of shea butter and different carrier oils. And then we would scent it with essential oils, but specifically things that she could handle that wouldn't cause her to flare up. What was one of your biggest tools? Because I know it's kind of hard to, when you're are interested in going the more natural or alternative routes to whether it's, you know, different formulations for skincare or makeup, where was some of your biggest resources? Cause that can be a confusing journey on its own. We just Googled, you know, natural <laughs> skincare, how to, how to create your own skincare, different blogs and things like that. And, you know, most of them, or if not all of them use a base of shea butter. So mm -hmm. that was really the starting point and then adding different oils to them. I love, I just love the texture too. It's such a great formulation. You guys just are doing such a great job. And then just to circle back to, to your journey, Michaela, mm -hmm. with your journey with Lyme, when did that kind of start? Cause I know there's a lot of cofactors when you get a diagnosis. So that can also be tricky, but I kind of wanted to start with your journey and your story. Yeah. So my health journey is really long and going back in all of my early, even earliest memories, I never remember feeling well. I remember growing up having weird aches and pains like joint pain or stomach aches or weird rashes that would occur on my skin. And this would like happen age three, four. So I believe that I might have even gotten Lyme or mold in, I also have mold too. Well, I should clarify all of my illnesses. So we all, yeah, I should have asked you yeah. before yeah. we delve into things. Cause I'll hop around a little bit. So I have Lyme disease, two co-infections of Lyme that are called Babesia and Bartonella and co-infections of Lyme for those who aren't really well-versed in the whole Lyme world, which is probably most of your listeners, um, when you get bit by a tick or any biting insect that carries the Lyme bacteria, the bug or the insect has been on other animals. So 
basically you're getting injected with a needle that like the needle of nature. So you can be injected with like possum or rat or deer, anything that the insect has been on. And those infections that are the bacteria from the other animals are called co-infections. So one, for instance, most people think of ticks when they think of Lyme disease, but it could also be carried by mosquitoes or spiders. But um, one bite from one of those insects could carry other co-infections. So the two co-infections that I have are Bartonella and Babesia. I also have mold toxicity and parasite overgrowth and candida overgrowth. So with all that being said, going back into my history, when I was really young, I never really felt well. But growing up that way, I didn't really think that that was anything out of the norm. Of course, I knew that it wasn't like what other my other peers were experiencing, but I thought, well, you know, other people get migraines, other people get you know, ear infections kind of chronically, even though that's not normal either. I guess I just get stomach aches, weird skin flare-ups, and my joints hurt. I get dizzy spells. So I just kind of chalked it up to, you know, that's just my, my quirks. So then going back after I was diagnosed just two years ago, or two and a half now, almost three in 2020, I realized that I was conceived in a home that had toxic black mold and I was brought home from the hospital in a home that had black mold. So I think that that might have opened up Pandora's box for me to develop mold and or Lyme in utero and then just attract all the other illnesses along the way because once you're immunocompromised, then you kind of become a magnet for anything else that gets thrown at you because your body can't fight it off. Was that kind of difficult to, and this is my understanding, so this might not be true, but some of the symptoms are so similar with black mold, the fogginess, the fatigue that, and then with Lyme, was that also a challenge when trying to get a diagnosis? And how, I guess I should ask, how long did a diagnosis um, take? That's the thing about these chronic illnesses. Their symptoms are so similar and they overlap that- I don't know if I will truly be able to distinguish what exactly is a Lyme symptom of mine, what exactly is a mold symptom. I do know that from my tests, I have Lyme disease and those two co-infections as well as mold, but I'm not sure exactly which symptom mm -hmm. can be assigned to which illness. And at this point, I mean, it would be really nice to know, but I just really care about healing. So yeah. who's to say like what really do I gain from knowing, oh, okay. It's like nitpicking at this point. And flare can be assigned to mold and this brain fog can be assigned to my Lyme. It just matters that I'm on a healing protocol to get better and eradicate these illnesses. And since she started at such a young age, Dawn, as a mom, like what was your going through your mind as watching your child? Did you see any symptoms that were abnormal or was it I'm sure it was just a lot of frustration too, because you don't know if it's sometimes a temperament problem, if the sensitivities for, especially in little kids, how they express things or more of a physical thing. When, when it's a child, it's really hard to, to say it's triggered by an illness because mm -hmm. kids often will say, oh, I have a stomach ache. I know yeah. she used to say that her feet would hurt, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of weird at for a three or four year old. And then, you know, I take her to the pediatrician, they'd look at her feet, you know, well, you know, they're, they're not flat, 
And they just said, well, maybe she's just being dramatic or, you know, they're really, if you take a child to a doctor at that young age and you say that their feet hurt, they're not going to really do anything. There's nothing that they're going to look for. Mm -hmm. So then like with joint pain, you know, of course they're going to say, well, you're just growing so fast, you know, look how much you've grown over the past year. So nothing was really a trigger where they would say, oh, well, we should really look into that. So, um, and also for her, I think for, like she was saying that it was almost her normal, abnormal Mm -hmm. self. And because she always felt like that, I think it was sort of like, if a child is born with poor vision, well, at what point do they realize that their vision is poor and not everyone else sees the same way? So it's not until I think you get older, and for her, she was probably in her mid to later teens, and it was like, you know, there's something that's not right. There's something that we have to investigate. And I can only imagine, too, going through so many doctors, was there ever a time like of just defeat or frustration. I'm I'm sure there was many, actually, I will rebuttal my own question. I'm sure there was many times of frustration and defeat. What were some of the things that doctors were saying that, you know, along the way that I'm sure were discouraging or just not helpful? Well, she always had eczema, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people always have eczema, especially kids. And she would go to the pediatrician and they just not even give it a thought. Let me write you a prescription. And, you know, with the caveat, don't use it for more than two weeks because it will cause thinning of the skin. And it would work, you know, it would finally make it clear up and it would be fine for a few months and then it would come back. And then, you know, the same thing was just a vicious, vicious cycle. And there was one point I remember when she was in nursing school and she was four, she had eczema on her knuckles really bad. It, It just looked awful. And when I picked her up from school, apparently it must have been really itchy during story time and she was sitting on the rug and she was just kind of grinding it into the carpet because it was itchy and it looked like someone took her hand and just scraped it up on a, a brick wall. And you know, same thing, me write out a prescription and it would go away. And yeah, that was frustrating because, you know, looking back, they never even investigated diet or anything. They, they didn't even ask. Yeah, it was just basically taking care of the symptom which is what our medical industry is designed to do. Uh, just from not in the same realm whatsoever by my own medical issues from the last couple of years. And I just find that doctors aren't curious. There's no curiosity to, it's just this set of regimen. And if you fall outside of that or don't get your answers, it's just kind of a, a shoulder shrug. Or as my doctor said, is I just don't know. I'm like, Well, at least I respect your honesty if, you know, but I can only imagine, especially with, as a mom and with my own child, I can imagine how hard that was. And so just to get your perspective done for, as a mom and Michaela, I know it's no walk in the park, obviously for you too, but just that perspective of dealing with a little kid, as you were saying, is there anything reflecting back that would have been helpful to ask or to be curious about with your doctor or some treatment, you know, for people who are dealing this with their own little child? I think it's always good to investigate diet because Mm -hmm. I forget which, there's some Greek philosopher who Mm -hmm. said that all illness begins in the gut. And I think it's a hundred percent true. And I think that every symptom that I can think of, like joint pain, um, brain fog, 
skin issues, hormonal issues, it's all tied to the gut and what is like helps the gut is diet. And now from this episode's sponsor. Now that school's back in session and with busy schedules, many of us are looking for effective ways to support our health and overall wellness. And one way to support our health is by taking vitamins to help support various deficiencies caused by nutritional, environmental, physical, and mental stressors that may be placed upon our bodies. And I know it can be disheartening and confusing when you're looking into vitamins and supplements to find out that many brands use ingredients that contain fillers, GMOs, and other toxins that aren't compatible with wanting to support our overall health. And that's why my family and I use Symbiotica's vitamins. When I came across this brand a couple years ago, I truly appreciated how transparent they were with the ingredients they were putting into each vitamin and supplement. Not only did I notice a difference in how I was feeling when I was taking their vitamins, but also loved how easy they were to incorporate into my routine. So I have an on and off relationship with coffee, but one beverage I like to consistently drink is Symbiotica's Shilajit Mineral Resin. Shilajit has been around for centuries, used in Ayurvedic and Eastern medicine. Drinking Shilajit offers 86 trace minerals and antioxidants in it, while being a delicious cozy drink. And especially now with school back in session and kids and germs and sickness seem to be a magnet to each other, I love taking the vitamin C and coated silver along with the super greens just to make sure my immune system is getting the extra support it needs. And these are also great products I like to take along with us while we travel make sure that we are staying healthy while traveling. And a few of my other favorite products from Symbiotica that I always have in rotation is their magnesium L-theanates, their adrenal support formula, and then their golden mind and longevity mushrooms for brain support. Not only are Symbiotica's products effective and convenient, they also taste good, which I know can be a hurdle for some. And Symbiotica was gracious enough to offer its natural listeners a 15% discount site-wide using the code EVERGREENLIVING. Again, for 15% off site-wide, that's EVERGREENLIVING, E-V-E-R-G-R-E-E-N-L-I-V-I-N-G. The key to sticking to any health and wellness routine for me is convenience and effectiveness. And I couldn't think of a more synonymous and aligned woman-led brand than Higher Dose. My love affair with Higher Dose began with their sauna blanket, which I found so effective and yet convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna packed into their high-quality sauna blanket. I still find it so convenient to have all the benefits of a sauna without the bulk of a traditional sauna unit. Still reaping all the benefits in my home, which makes me use it even more often as a busy mom because I can include it easily into my routine. Higher Dose is bringing at-home wellness tools using nature-inspired technologies to release a dose of feel-good chemicals, aka 
dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that elevate your mood, promote a healthy glow, support long-term health benefits, and lift your spirit. Even though their sauna mat was my intro into the brand, I have since fallen in love with their wide range of products and have also added them to my wellness toolbox. Their PEMF mat and red light therapy mask are one of my go-tos, along with their line of magnesium products. The magnesium gummies and bath soaks are among my favorites. And Higher Dose was kind enough to offer the It's Natural listeners 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. That's 15% off site-wide with the code EVERGREEN. E-V-E-R-G-R-E-E-N. I know you'll fall in love with how easy and effective Higher Dose's products are and how you will feel afterwards. Enjoy! So you can control your um, gut health by your diet and everyone's body is different. So what kind of diet someone does, it may not work for me and vice versa. I think it's just a matter of working with a doctor who will create a customized plan for you, looking at your body and your metabolism and your hormones and being able to see like how your body responds to different things. And I think that that would be a great starting point. Of course, in my case, I have so many underlying issues that a good diet isn't going to help. Well, it will help, but it's not going to be the magic that helps um, get out all of my toxins, but it is an integral part of my healing protocol. So with having what seems to be Lyme and mold being the main issues from such a young age, whereas some of that's what you're dealing with kind of now, the chronic part of it, is that, was it exasperated by having it going on for so long, kind of undiagnosed, and then more things kind of trickle in or problems, I guess, layer in, or is it just, do you think always there or just kind of another question mark in your journey? Oh, hundred percent. The longer that you go undiagnosed and untreated, the worse it gets. Okay. My dad has actually a really good analogy for it and I'm going to steal it from him. <laughs> like your computer gets a virus. So maybe at first, like you might have a few buttons that don't work on your computer or like maybe some windows force quit accidentally. And you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then like, but it still works. You can still go online. You can still send emails. You can still watch YouTube and whatnot. But then you don't realize that your computer has a virus. So later on, maybe your computer doesn't turn on right away. And then you have to like press the um, on off button a few times for it to turn on. And then it just like progresses, it snowballs into something. And then after a while, maybe your computer just is completely dead. It doesn't turn on at all. And then you realize you have a problem. So I think that's one thing with chronic illness. And it's often invisible because people don't realize that you're dealing with it. You don't have a visible like something that looks dramatic that you're not have you don't have a severed limb you don't have anything that people would know automatically that you're dealing with health issues i think that was that's one thing about invisible illnesses that makes it so hard to diagnose that they just start out like maybe you deal with insomnia and occasionally you have really bad gut issues but it's not anything that's so dramatic that you're like oh i have to see a doctor asap but then when you prolong those symptoms, it just snowballs on top of like one thing happens and it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back. 
you weaken your immune system, you overly um, you overly tax your liver, your organs, your liver is a really important organ that's in charge of detoxing. So then when that happens and you become more susceptible to other infections, you can develop other things that you're exposed to, just going out in the world, we're exposed to heavy metals and other pollution that just really um, has more of an impact on people who are immunocompromised health than other people. And then just that wear and tear on a daily basis leads to this climax that most people who have chronic illness get to this point where it just kind of all comes to a head and they're really not well, like what happened with me. So if I had found the Lyme earlier on, it would have been still a struggle for the healing journey because Lyme disease is a, a very, very, um, very powerful bacteria that's hard to try to get rid of when it is in the body, but it would have been a lot easier than now, all these years later. That's a great analogy too, that your dad was using to the computer. Cause I think with invisible illnesses too, that is the problem and issue. If you don't, aren't personally suffering from it, kind of the empathy is, can be lacking and just, and then to go along with that is also the understanding too. Um, so did you receive a diagnosis from your doctor or did you guys have to kind of through your own research, kind of bring it to your doctor in order to get that, those tests done? So I would like to say that the doctors guided us in the right direction, but uh -huh. to be completely honest, and I don't want to get like too into this because it's a yeah. whole topic for another day. None okay. of them brought Lyme disease. It wasn't on their radar. It's not taught in medical school. And we were going through doctors who were covered by my parents' insurance. My parents' insurance, and mm -hmm. at that time, I was um, still covered by my parents' insurance. So we were trying to exhaust everyone under the sun who was covered by insurance because why pay for insurance and then go see a doctor out of network where you have to shell out Boku bucks and you may not even get your answers that you need. So we first saw a nutritionist and I know you asked um, how long it took me to get diagnosis almost 10 years after aggressively oh, wow. diagnosis. So I was in my late teens when I realized, you know what, there's something seriously wrong. And mm -hmm. I think it was a combination of me just kind of learning what's normal and what's not normal, seeing how my health issues are really something to be concerned with. So what um, I did was I first saw a nutritionist because I said, well, my main issues are gut issues. Pretty much everything that I'm experiencing is related to like stomach aches. I would um, get constipated, like cramps in my stomach and my skin issues. Yes. But I, I just had a feeling that my skin was connected with my gut. And if I could at least heal my gut, then maybe my skin issues would clear up. Cause then I was getting more into holistic health and wellness and realizing, well, you know, if I just put this topical ointment on my skin, maybe my skin will clear up, but it's not going to address the root cause or the gut issues. So then I spoke up with my parents and I said, listen, there's something seriously wrong with my digestion. At this point, even having a drink of water or tea, anything will cramp my stomach up. Anytime I put anything in my mouth, automatically I would get an intense cramping and stomach aches and it was not normal. So my mom took me to a nutritionist and we lived in the Bay Area at that time. And 
the nutritionist was in Berkeley. And if those familiar with the Bay Area, Berkeley's very holistically minded and very into wellness. So I thought, okay, this nutritionist has to know what's <laughs> because like she she has to know I like, had to get to the root cause of this. She's not going to give me any prescriptions or anything from um, that. So what um, she basically did was she did a skin prick test and she, um, which a skin prick test is when they put, um, prick your skin on your, commonly your back uh, with different um, oils from the foods. And they see if there's a reaction to the different foods that they prick into your skin. And if there is some sort of like swelling or any inflammation, that means that your body is reacting to that food. So that's what she did with me. And that's what pretty much any nutritionist will do if you go there for an allergy test for food. And long story short, when I got the results back, pretty much 70% of the foods came back positive as I tested positive for being allergic to them. Oh, wow. So my mom and I look at this list and we're like, wow, I really like, can I eat anything? And let me tell you, the foods that I tested positive for were so far, like all over the place, arbitrary grapes, sweet potatoes, eggs, um, Brazil nuts, black pepper, cinnamon, um, green beans, lettuce. Like just, I could not put together any sort of any pattern. And the nutritionist said, don't worry. When I see results like these, it means that you probably have leaky gut and your body is just in a very heightened state of inflammation and you're not actually react, you're, well, you are reacting to these foods, but you're not actually allergic to them. You are having what is called a false allergy response. So your body's confused. It thinks that everything is a foreign invader and it needs to attack it. So what I need to do is heal my gut. And I totally agreed with her with this. I, I knew that there was something going on with my gut. Yes, I need to heal my gut and then everything else will fall into place. So leaky gut is when you have some sort of sensitivity to a food that you don't realize or some sort of anything, anything environmental that is wreaking havoc on your gut. And it actually creates these holes in your intestines. And then it causes food to leak out. Obviously, food is not supposed to be floating outside of your intestines. Your body views those foods as foreign invaders. It creates this immune response of attacking itself. And then you have the false allergy response that I had. So the nutritionist said, let's detox from these foods that you tested positive for, for a month. See how it goes. The gut has the beautiful ability to repair itself. So when you reintroduce the foods in, hopefully you will be able to safely do so and you won't get a reaction unless you truly are allergic to the food, in which case then obviously stay away from it. So everything that she said made total sense to me. And I thought, okay, this is great. Let me do that. And I'm the type of person where I will do anything to feel better. I was totally fine with just having a very, very strict diet. If in the long run, I would be able to expand my diet again and be healthier. So I did that for a month. And then I went back to the nutritionist to get the skin prick test again. So she did it. Same thing. Like all the foods that I tested positive for, tested positive for again. And I said, okay, maybe I need to detox longer. And she agreed. She said, yeah, let's, let's try doing three months because obviously I didn't develop all these sensitivities overnight. 
been a long process in getting me to the state of unwell. So maybe we'll just try a longer period of detox. So we did that. And then long story short with that, we just didn't get anywhere. About after a year and a half, we both kind of had this telepathic moment during our last visit where I just was not getting better. And I was sticking to her protocol to a T. And she just looked at me and I looked at her and I kind of knew what she was thinking. And I got the sense where she was thinking, you know, you're a really atypical case. I deal with people who have hormone issues, who have thyroid issues, who have to lower their cholesterol or something. But if like you, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You have some other like really messed up situation going on here. And I, I knew it too. I just thought we are kind of dancing around the root cause, but not really getting to it. So since we lived in the Bay Area, we had two um, hospitals that were research centers. We had um, Stanford and UCSF, which were like world-renowned, really good, um, high technology, sophisticated technology with their um, health and research. So she said, you know, I can send you there. And I thought that would be perfect. You know, let me go there. They're doing their research. They have like these highly sophisticated technology. I'm going to get my answers there. So she sent us to Stanford and then we just bounced around from doctor to doctor. I don't need to go into the whole nitty gritty with it to give you the picture of, I went to see first a gastroenterologist because of my gut. The gastroenterologist said my hormones were off. So he sent me to an endocrinologist who sent me to an OBGYN who just wanted to prescribe me birth control, mm-hmm. who sent me to a rheumatologist. And I went to an allergist because maybe these actually are allergies. So the allergist basically said, I shouldn't be afraid of food. And I think she honestly thought that I had an eating disorder when I said that food irritates me. I can't safely eat food. And I was trying to articulate to her, I would love to have an expanded diet if I wasn't in severe gastro pains every time I ate. And then we went to a cardiologist and neurologist back to a gastroenterologist who was a new gastroenterologist who I didn't see before, who ended up diagnosing me with gastroparesis which essentially means partially paralyzed gut. And that, yes, that was a diagnosis. But then I thought to myself, but what does that really mean? It means mm-hmm. that my digestion is slow. So Which we knew. Well, yeah, I, I could tell you every time I eat, I get bloated. So like, what did I pay to get this test done all day, which is a pretty extensive test. It's called a gastric emptying study. And then you have to get these MRIs done of your stomach for about eight hours. And so it's an all day affair at the doctors, but we just didn't get anywhere. And I know before you asked me, did I reach a point where I was just burnt out on going to doctors, not getting the answers I needed. And that really was another point where I was just like, you know what, let me take a break because I am so done with seeing these doctors, spending my time in the waiting room, my time getting tests done, getting no conclusive answers, So I took about a year off. And in that time, I did my research online. I looked up my symptoms because at that point we were pursuing more so an an autoimmune disorder. Mm -hmm. Like I got tested for SIBO, celiac, Crohn's disease. Uh, I got this unofficial diagnosis of IBS, which again, what does that mean? Just means that you have a digestion that's like inflamed. So that isn't really getting to the root cause. So all of that came a lot of terms for symptoms. 
-hmm. Yes, exactly. So then I thought, you know, let me pursue chronic illness. We haven't really explored that route. And in the world of chronic illness, you have parasites, candida, mold, uh, Lyme disease. And every time I put in my symptoms, there would be some article or some forum or some blog post that came up about Lyme disease. And I thought, that is really something that I don't know a lot about, but it's very intriguing. And I don't know if I have Lyme disease, but it is highly possible because we both are from the East Coast. I grew up in New York, then moved to Connecticut and then the Bay Area. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So should have given you that background. Info. <laughs> I came from tick territory, but nowadays ticks are everywhere. So it's not just something that's an East Coast problem, but that really raised my interest. So I joined a few online support groups for chronic illness and I basically just wrote, hey guys, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I've been diagnosed with. I know it's not the answer. I'm kind of burnt out on seeing doctors. I've been doing some research. I think it might sound like Lyme. I don't know. You guys probably have more insight than I do because you are all either Lyme patients or mold patients, or you've been dealing with this or have loved ones who have dealt with this. And I have some guidance here. And I got an overwhelming response of people who said, you need to get tested for Lyme. You 100% have Lyme. Or other people said, yeah, you have mold too. You need to see a Lyme literate medical doctor. And that's, exactly, that's the title that they're called. If you suspect you have Lyme disease or any sort of infectious disease, um, that's the type of doctor who will diagnose you. And they are not covered by insurance and they are not cheap. But I was so burnt out on the other doctors that I said, you know what? I have nothing to lose let me go see this doctor. So I found a doctor. I was still in the Bay Area at the time. I found a doctor in LA who had really good reviews, who actually diagnosed someone who I had been following on social media who had similar health issues to me. And she finally got diagnosed with Lyme, a few co-infections, mold, and the whole shebang. So I thought, well, if this doctor in LA knows what's up with that girl, she probably knows what's up with me. So my dad actually gifted me this because during that time with me pursuing this diagnosis, I was going to college online for graphic design, which was actually a blessing that I didn't actually have to appear in person on campus anywhere because when I had my skin flares, when I have all these different symptoms that would um, flare up, it was a blessing to be able to stay home. And it would have been so uncomfortable to sit in a classroom and um, be surrounded by other people in a different environment. But when I graduated from college, which was in 2020, I um, said, I want to take a road trip to LA. So my dad said, how about we do this? He's He gifted me the road trip to LA. And he also in that bundle package gifted me my first appointment with that Lyme doctor. So it was the most also beaten path gift graduation. yeah but it was also probably points for originality it, yeah it, it honestly saved my life because yeah. I don't know where I would be if I was still trying to figure out what my diagnosis is because every single day that progresses you get worse and worse as the bacteria strengthens and you don't have any healing protocol to try to eradicate the illnesses that are growing inside of you 
Yeah. I just can't imagine with all the symptoms you're dealing with, but just to get in the doctor's office, that just the time, the money, the making appointments, that is just eats so much of your time. And so I can only imagine when, and then with the testing on top of that, which is never fun and definitely claustrophobic because of having to go into an MRI machine when I was younger. So I can't even imagine spending seven to eight hours in one that just sounds terrifying. But again, Don, what is your perspective going through this? Because I can't imagine, again, diligence you guys are having to go with to follow through with these appointments, to keep going. How are you handling this with, I'm sure what was going on your plate, not only taking care of your daughter and seeing her journey, but you know, if you're working when you're you know, your life too. This is a big chunk of that. How are you handling it? It was really frustrating. You know, at, at the beginning, it made sense with the um, <clears throat> the diagnosis with leaky gut and the idea made sense. You know, you eliminate these foods for a period of time and mm-hmm. then one, you reintroduce them, but she never got to the point where she could reintroduce them. Eliminating was fine. And she felt, she felt better as she eliminated them, but how can you survive on, on just uh, such a, uh, a limited diet like that? Mm-hmm. And I remember her nutritionist even said, well, you know, I, I do have a few patients and, you know, they can only eat three different types of food. And I'm thinking to myself, but how can you exist long-term on that? Yeah. You know, just the joy it, of it too. The joy of having fun. Yeah. But, you know, physically, how can your body survive on that? Mm-hmm. And that was just, that was just sort of her answer. But her diagnosis, leaky gut, was a- actually accurate. She does have leaky gut, but they never got to the reason of, well, why? What caused this leaky gut? And now that we know that she has Lyme, one of the co-infections actually does act, um, like cause pores in your gut. So when you eat food, yes, the food will leak out into your, your body and your body attacks it. That's why she has leaky gut. And that stems from Lyme. And they never even, that never even came up. And I remember, you know, we, we kind of heard a little bit about Lyme, but not a whole lot. And we, we did throw it out there to the doctor, you know, do you think it could be Lyme? And her response was, you know, it, it was almost laughable. You know, the, the, the celebrities are getting diagnosed with Lyme. You just want to jump on the bandwagon. It's, it's like, the latest kale or quinoa, you just want to <laughs> uh-huh. on the trend. And, and that was the answer. That, that was her answer. And, um, you know, with when we went to Stanford, all these different tests, and we, we were pretty confident that this was the right place. But again, we just felt like we were passed from one doctor to another, to another. And we did mention it to her GI. You know, what do you think about Lyme? Do you think it could be Lyme? Oh, well, the response was, that's not in my wheelhouse. And, and that was the end of it. There was no pursuit. There was, like you said, there was no curiosity. Oh yeah, you know, I never thought about that. Let me let me do some research. Never, never that came up. And when she saw the Lyme literate medical doctor here in LA, um, she basically, the doctor just looked at her and said, yeah, I can tell you have Lyme. You know, of course we're going to run tests because we have to mm-hmm. confirm that. But I, just looking at her skin on her hands, just, just looking at her eyes, she said, yeah, you have Lyme. Definitely. There's no question about it. So, you know, we, we felt then we were in the right place. I mean, what a gift to also, even I know that wasn't before all the tests and stuff, but just to be seen, I'm Mm -hmm. sure just was like such a relief as well. And 
Mm -hmm. It was like, can go into two different things, just how important the gut is. Like I've just been learning about it, how it's regulates from your serotonin level. So how your brain functions to how it actually works with other microbe organisms on your body from your skin to your mouth and just how much it controls. But then the other point you were talking about when you were going to like Stanford and UCSF, just the different departments. That's the other thing I keep looking at with traditional medicine or Western medicine is that they just kind of compartmentalize the body and the mind and there's no cohesion or they come from a perspective where there's no cohesion or where it doesn't cross. And so that's so frustrating to go to these different specialists and these little windows of areas of the body, but they don't communicate or learn from each other. And yeah, I can imagine how much longer that took your whole journey too with that lack of help. So mm. I'm just fascinated too, from going, you guys are dealing with this search to find the answers. How does that lead you to the skincare and following that and developing that your products for my July? There was a point a few years ago when we still lived in the Bay Area that I developed these rashes on my hands and I always had skin issues and they would come and go as any chronic illness has ebbs and flows. And I was pretty much humming along okay without having any um, prescription ointments, not seeing a dermatologist. And then it started acting up again when I was seeing the nutritionist. And I don't, I don't, wasn't connected with that or anything, but it was just at the early stages of me trying to find a diagnosis, my gut wasn't healing. And my, then all of a sudden my skin started acting up. So I was like, oh, this is great. So not only is my gut not healing, my skin's acting up too. Like what else is going to go wrong? So I felt like it was just kind of um, everything was flaring up all over again. And I knew that going to the dermatologist to get the steroid ointment was not the answer. And I was determined not to go that route because that's the whole runaround that I had when I was a kid. So I thought, I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer is not to go to a dermatologist because what are they going to do other than just give me a, some prescription? And that's just not going to help long-term. So I just had to let it ride itself, like ride out the storm. And it was very, very terrible. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. My, the rashes on my hands got so bad that I lost flexibility in my fingers because it would just get increasingly more inflamed. And I knew I just felt so helpless. There's nothing that I could think of that would help my skin. My dad looked at my rashes and he said, that it looked like something was coming out from inside of me. It mm. wasn't anything that like topically to apply. It was something, and he wasn't too far off <laughs> now in retrospect, that there was just some monster inside of me that was bubbling out through my skin, essentially. That's what it felt like. It was oozing. My skin was so swollen and inflamed that my hands looked like Mickey Mouse's hands. And during that time, I said before that you, you know, when you have a chronic illness, you just kind of learn to cope. You learn every day, like you don't feel too great, mediocre at best, but you just kind of truck along until it reaches ahead. And you're like, okay, this is not going to work. This is not normal. This is not going to work long, long, long term. I need to figure something out. So it reached that point with me when I lost flexibility in my fingers. And if I bent my fingers, the skin around my knuckles would just crack and bleed. I walked around the house with my hands wrapped in gauze, like 
a burn victim because I didn't want to bleed all over everywhere. It was a blessing that I was going to school online for graphic design because pretty much the only thing I could do was just have my fingers poised above the keyboard and work. I couldn't make my bed. I couldn't wash my hair. couldn't cut my own fruit. couldn't drive. couldn't walk the dog. So my mom had to do all of that for me in the interim. So it's at that time that she started thinking, let's try to make my, like our own skincare and I'll let her take over because that's kind of her part of the story. Yeah, so that, that's what we do, did. Like I said before, we just got on different blogs and websites and and we came up with a formula with, with shea butter and carrier oils. And then we selected different essential oils to make it be more attractive and pleasing. You know, the scents, I must... The scents are so good. They just, yes, bravo on that one. Like the scents are great. Butter will definitely soothe your skin, but yeah. there's something appealing about it. So we reached a point where, you know, we, it was trial and error. Sometimes it was too oily. Sometimes it was too gritty, but finally we got the, the ratio and percentages right. And so we said, she's got all the sensitivities. She can't be the only person who has super sensitive skin. But for me, I don't have the sensitivities, but like I said, doing all the research, the different chemicals and toxins that they put in different things that different products that your pediatrician will say, here, use this on your child. And yet in other countries, some of these um, ingredients are banned. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put all those chemicals on my skin. You know, we're faced with enough toxins that we have no control over. So if I have control over what I put on my skin or in my body, then I'm you know, I'm definitely going to go that route. So that's, that's how it came about. And then we figured that if I'm probably not the only person out there suffering, there has to be other people out there with the same issues as me. So since we found a solution that helped my skin, I'm not going to say that it was a miracle bomb that solved everything, because as I said before, I had so many other underlying issues. Mm -hmm. It is a huge part of my healing protocol to use natural skincare, but I also have to be on a really strict regimen with my Lyme doctor. But if this skincare uh, helped me and soothed me, then it would soothe other people with not only chronic illness, but like my mom, who just doesn't want to put anything on her skin that she doesn't trust eating. <clears throat> I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I, your lotions and you're just all fabulous. And I love the scents or just, I don't know, an instant spa experience. But before going into those, was there a time when you guys were learning to do this? Was there like an epic failure that you guys still remember or laugh about or any explosions in the kitchen or anything no like explosions, that? Nothing like that, but just, just trying to get the ratio right, because since they're natural ingredients, you know, sometimes they would be really gritty. Yeah. They would still be good for your skin, but it sure didn't feel good. It felt so abrasive or sometimes it was too oily, you know, same thing. Yeah. It's still going to soothe and comfort your skin, but it doesn't leave you feeling nice with all this oils <laughs> stuff on your, your skin. So finally we, we just got the ratio, right. And, you know, it was funny because I, I had my husband as the, uh, one that would try it out all the time mm -hmm. and in the bathroom and he'll be saying oh it's all gritty or like oh I could see him in the mirror oh my hands they're all greasy and then one time I heard him in the bathroom and he said hey this feels nice so then at that moment I know hey we got it's a winner you would definitely know if it's a winner I can only hear my husband too and his like reflections of stuff of different face lotions and stuff I give him 
And I know you were saying that you were yourself trying to help Michaela with whether it was skincare, but just her general health. Was there anything that you started to change in your own wellness practices or became more aware of with yourself when you, you know, after learning such new information that was helpful for yourself? Well, it was definitely eye-opening to realize the the chemicals and toxins that they put in, in different things, skincare products that you use. And, you know, I had been using them because, hey, you know, if your dermatologist or your doctor says use this and this will soothe your skin, then of course, why wouldn't you? But, you know, that that was quite eye-opening to see the, the different chemicals and things that are really harsh for your, your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they attribute a lot, a lot of that to even young, young children, girls and boys entering puberty at an earlier and earlier age because of a lot of these different chemicals. So that, that was, that was alarming. And, uh, you know, we always did try to eat healthy you know, we always tried to go more holistic. I was never the type of person that, you know, the minute I got a little headache, oh, let me reach for the Tylenol or the Advil mm-hmm. or something, you know, we, we just weren't like that. So, um, you know, basically that, I would say basically with like skincare being more aware of what these doctors are telling you to do and doing your own research, being your own advocate and realizing, you know, you, you have to do what's best for you. And then it's so tricky, especially in that avenue, because you might not know what the ingredients mean, just how they're listed. It's not very transparent usually. And then once you find out, they can change formulas without telling you. And so you kind of have to continually be diligent. So it is a very tricky space. And I think it's getting better, but I think the continuation of, I guess it's, I don't know if it's a profit or the kind of the deception too, because now you see the greenwashing on, or the use of the words natural on things. And when people are trying to find better ways to take care of themselves, and then they're being deceived by marketing and how it's frustrating, I'm sure that is for people who are trying and aren't familiar with that arena. So I think there's, I guess, my July, huh? I was going to say, I always say that the best businesses are born out of necessity. That's really how it came about. That's what I was actually leading into. What was your guys' moment of go that this is, a, when did you guys know that you had a business in you to start? I didn't approach it from a business perspective at all. It was basically just me trying to heal myself or my mom trying to heal me rather. Mm-hmm. It just dawned on us after we had a formula that was good that we should try to sell it to other people because why gatekeep something that we have created that has worked on me? Why not let it out into the world and share it with others? Because I'm all about supporting others who have not only chronic illness, but just want to live a clean and healthy lifestyle. So it was something that we thought about later on in the process. And then how did you guys set foot in the market? Where was your first sale or how did you guys go about wanting to get it out to people? We launched on Kickstarter. Okay. So we did that to raise the funds for the initial round. And then after that, we pretty much just took to social media, um, got our Instagram going, word of mouth. Um, we did a few craft fairs and had a few friends and family spread the word for us. Is really trying to get out there through the beautiful world of social media. 
Yeah. And I like your point too, that you were saying that just to let your community, those, your friends and family also support you, because I know I'm sometimes personally, they're like sometimes the last people, you know, you want to tell with your ideas. So that's a good point too. the opposite of that. When you do need, when you have the idea and you're going out to let them support you. And what was some of the biggest feedback that you got that you knew that this was something? Well, when we do different pop-ups and events like that and and people can try, we have, we have samples for them to try so that they can actually try it firsthand, try out how it feels and smells. The reaction is, it just gives you a nice feeling that, you know, we, we have something that's really good here. You know, they'll, and I can even kind of watch them as they're walking away and they're telling their friend and I can see there's them saying, mm, smell this, smell this. So that, that gives us a nice feeling. I remember during COVID, that was one of the biggest things because I am such a tactile person. So whether it's makeup or skincare, I love to, yeah, smell and to feel it. And that was such a hard thing for me to be just a your online shopper and just to buy your products through not, I guess it's like kind of an instant gratification, you know, to instantly smell it or to feel the texture. I'm not the best at online shopping, especially in that area. Yeah. It was hard for that. Like you kind of want to try it out first that and makeup, any kind of fragrance. Yeah. Harder to do that online. I know fragrance, just these descriptions is funny. I was just looking at some other brands, just I think it was just yesterday and the descriptions, I'm like, this does not tell me anything. I don't know if I'm going to smell like a campfire or if it's going to be nice and cozy smelling. And with your ongoing issues, how has that kind of affected or the strategy in which you guys go about your business? How has that shaped it? Yeah. So a lot of people, as you mentioned, there's a lot of greenwashing, just using the word organic or natural is so unregulated in the United States that what does it mean anymore? Like mm-hmm. any skincare company can just slap on the word natural and like, mean? like it's a natural chemical made in a lab. Yeah. So, um, or petroleum based. A lot of people now are more well-educated about ingredients and just the way that uh, different companies label themselves. And they're very wary of different companies who call themselves natural. So one thing that we like to lead with, because we want to assure our customers, there's nothing that's going on that's kind of funky going on with how we process our products, that it was born out of chronic illness. It's made for the most sensitive of skin types. So it's not something that we are just putting on marketing because we want to appear like we're natural. We want to kind of break into the clean beauty market. It's something that was created for someone who had extremely severe health issues. So it's every single ingredient in there is very, very safe, very gentle and effective. And I'm not going to say that it won't give you a reaction. I just use myself as an example of I was highly sensitive and overreactive that you were the actual guinea pig very yeah to me it's very safe and if someone tries it out and they get a reaction I can't speak to that but it's as safe as you can get in my opinion but just to know your story and to have somebody who's I can only imagine the times of defeat but to come across that reassurance in your journey how again just reassuring and validating that might be and then 
you know, expand to learn about you guys more and more of your story and that just being a stepping stone, but how good that would just, again, to be seen, whether that's by your skincare that you're using or by the doctor that you're going to, I can just imagine how kind of to fill up your cup a little bit, mm-hmm. which I'm sure can run low when you're chronically dealing with you know, invisible illnesses. So with the two of you, has it been always the same vision for my July or has there ever been some like pivots or shifts in your guys's vision and what the brand would be? Stayed pretty consistent from the beginning. From the very beginning, our mission was very clear because we had a a very um, definitive end goal, which was to deliver safe and effective products. And since day one, that hasn't changed. Since moving to LA, which I'm kind of backing up a little bit here just to add on, since we moved from the Bay Area, we did that for health reasons because when I got diagnosed with mold and uh, Lyme, it's a better healing environment for me with the drier climate. But since we have moved down here to LA, there's a huge wellness community and we've really um, taken part in that and participated in a lot of pop-ups and done some collaborations. So that is one way we've kind of pivoted, but not pivoting in the sense where we changed our brand messaging, but we just love the the human connection. It's something that's really special. You really found a community. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And then the frustration always arises, especially when you're working for yourself, whether it's, it's shipping or something with the website. How do you guys take care of yourselves as business owners and are there any tools, whether it's just a mental tool that you guys use, or sometimes you guys just need a going to walk really quick. Is there any tools that you guys have found along your journey? Well, I, I, I'm a person who can, I kind of segment my day. Michaela Mm -hmm. can't do that as well, but I'm the type of person after dinner, I I don't want to work unless I have to, if I have to, but I, I just like to shut down, unwind after, after dinner and Otherwise, if I work too close to bedtime, then I'm, my mind is just too active and I don't go to sleep. Um, I, I try to make sure that I have some time to myself going for a walk or I, I work out, walk our dog. Um, just try to do things like that, that more of me time. Even, even things like, like chores, you just maybe put in my earbuds and listen to a book or something just to kind of go in on, a, on, a, on a, like a mental journey and yes. get away from the mundane trials and tribulations of the day. Oh, I love it. Yes. That's where I mostly listen to all my podcasts or audiobooks or yeah, whatever it might be is when I'm doing the chores, <laughs> the never ending laundry. And I'm kind of more of an integrator where I will integrate my business throughout my life and not really turn off. That's Mm -hmm. just my personality. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. That's how I like to structure my day, but I call it a mindful hustle where I will try to romanticize my work and creating a really nice working environment for myself. Like I'll light a candle or I'll play some music or a podcast in the background. And it's not just such a sterile environment where it's just like, okay, I got to work, nose to the grind, like don't take a break or anything. So I just like to make it something that is a little bit more pleasurable. And I do really enjoy my work. So it is something that I do look forward to. But at the same time, I do spend time for myself. I'll take a bath. 
at the end of the day, I really love to wind down from that. I'll do my daily walks in the sun and I always prioritize good sleep too. Are there any like non-negotiables that you guys do daily? Like whether it is again, back to skincare or just, you know, getting out with exercise, getting some fresh air. Are there any non-negotiables you guys have for yourselves daily? Well, every morning we, we do celery juice. So that's, that's a, a non-negotiable um, mm-hmm. morning juice celery. And then um, for me, I get up and I, I walk our dog. Um, I think that's. You do yoga. Yeah. She does do, yoga. Yeah. yoga. Those are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, those are both great. I both and for me, uh, good sleep. As I said before, I'm someone who cannot function on just a few hours. I need a, a good solid eight hours of sleep. So that's something that's really important to me. And just staying on my um, the structure of my day, like not deviating too much. I'm someone who likes to be super organized. So yeah, I'll wake up and we'll all, we both do juicing celery and I do acupuncture a few times a week, go on my walks in the sun. Not anything that's super major, but I um, just think that taking a few minutes, even for yourself throughout the day can play a huge impact on your mental health. So I try to do that if it's just like a short 15 minute walk around the block. If I'm super busy, it just helps me to reset and just get my brain off of something other than work. And also one, one other thing that I think we both do it, make sure that at the end of the day, you always recount what things that you're grateful for, because I think all of us can get carried, carried away with the struggles and the frustrations and just being so busy and running from here to there to there. I think it's it's good just to to take a deep breath and think of all the things that you're grateful for. And I'm sure you can come up with at least five easily. I love that. I've been trying to actually incorporate that before I like fall asleep as I'm laying in bed. And because I think sometimes too, some of it, all the mental hustle that we sometimes do or mental gymnastics that we do is to pump ourselves up, you know, at the start of the day, but then sometimes you don't see your successes or even just your failures or just your lessons you've learned and the gratitude that you might've had throughout the day, if you don't recount those. So that is a beautiful practice that myself, I've recently been trying to, I love that one. I've been trying to do incorporate that with my own nighttime routine. So I love that. It doesn't have to be anything major. It could be something as simple as, you know, I really, I'm grateful that the person behind me let me cut in front of them so I could get off the freeway or I'm, I'm just grateful that the person held the door open for me. That's a big to- one in LA traffic. <laughs> <laughs> is there, I just would be remiss if I didn't ask quickly, Michaela, is there, because I know what you're dealing with is chronic and ongoing, even as you're on your healing journey. Is there anything that helps you mentally? I know you said you sleep and to get out. Is there anything else that helps you in the uh, with the mental aspects of the illness? Just giving myself mantras to repeat is something that really helps me. For instance, I'll tell myself the only way out is through. That's one of my favorite mantras and that I'm going through it. I know it's not fun and it never was supposed to be fun, but if I want to get to the other end, I have to go through it. And in that, Um, there's also beautiful things that come out of the mess. For instance, the 
skincare line, My July, wouldn't have happened if I didn't go through my chronic illness. And also, um, I just launched an online course all about chronic illness, pretty much a 101 on, so you've been dealing with mystery symptoms, like you were me a few years ago, you got bounced around from doctor to doctor, you don't know what's going on, but you want to get answers, but you don't know where to go. It's kind of a compass that points people in the right direction. So that's another thing that was born out of my journey in my health. So I think that you can always find silver linings everywhere, even through the struggles of it all. And it makes life more flavorful. I always say like every time there is a struggle, I say oh, it makes more flavor in my life. Right now I could use maybe a little less flavor, yeah. but a I little less spiciness. Positive. Yeah. I'd like to sign up for some boredom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a nice vacation plan. Yeah. And then is there any advice that you have Dawn for parents who are going through this, whether it's themselves personally, or if it's their child going through this, is there any advice that you have looking back? I would say just listen to your child. If they say that there's something going on, then don't just shrug it off. And, you know, like a lot of the doctors said, it's stress and, and things like that, which I think we've all heard. But, you know, as I would say to the doctors, hey, you know, I'm under stress too, but we're talking about something else. So whether it's something physical or mental that your child is trying to communicate with you, then listen, because obviously there's got to be something going on. So just try to listen and keep the lines of communication open. Yeah, I like that one. So as we're starting to wrap up and I was just curious, where do you guys see my July going and what direction are you trying to head into in this new season? What we really would love to do is spread more awareness about chronic illness. Yes, our skincare is safe, gentle, and effective, but at the core of our brand value is finding solutions for those with chronic illness and anyone who wants to live a healthy and well and clean lifestyle. So unfortunately, invisible illnesses, chronic illnesses are very overlooked and misunderstood. So if we can kind of use our skincare as a vehicle to spread more awareness about, hey, it's not only just comforting for your skin, but like if you're dealing with health issues or something, or you have a loved one who's going through some sort of health struggle that they're not getting the answers they need, become your own health advocate. And do your own research, do what I did and try to ask questions to get the answers that you need. Don't go to the doctor and feel defeated after and just don't do anything about it. Unfortunately, doctors don't have the answers for everyone. So you have to do your own research, become your own health advocate, and you know your body the best. So no one can tell you, oh, you should do this or you should do that. You have to really listen to your intuition and think, does this feel right to me? So that's something that we really want to attach with our messaging. Yeah. The continual self-advocacy for yourself and for your loved ones. And I know Michaela, you just launched a course helping support those who are dealing with chronic illness. Um, do you want to tell everyone where they can find that? Because I know that will be a huge push for people to, you know, on their own journeys to help them. Yeah. So we just, me and my friend, Diana, who also suffers from the same chronic illnesses that I do. We actually met on a chronic illness support group. So <laughs> it's pretty meta that we are now creating our own sort of support group through the online course. But it's basically a 101, nothing super fancy, but just like the basic, okay, you're dealing with these mystery health issues. 
what do you do? Like no doctor can figure out what's going on. You're getting these diagnoses that are like, oh, it's idiopathic, blah, 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 or it's all in your head or just de-stress. So it's for people who want to find more guidance and get clarity on their health, for people who have loved ones who are dealing with chronic health issues, or even just for people who want to learn more about chronic illness, because it's a world that's often very mystic, and we endeavor to demystify that world and just share our experiences and, and that help others to find their own health journey and gain their own health back. And I know we can go on forever because we just have that love for wellness and all the different avenues that that umbrella expands across, but I know we're coming across about an hour here. So I was wondering if you guys can also share about where to find my July and find yourselves on social, if you want to share and plug that. Yeah. So my July is at my July skin on Instagram. Our website is myjulyskin.com. And you can find me at Michaela Hu. And I think I forgot to even mention the name of the online course that I'm doing. It's called Chronically Hacked. And you can find that on Instagram at Chronically Hacked and online at chronicallyhacked.com. And Dawn, where can people find you on social and your website? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Dawn Marie Hu. Thank you so much to Michaela and Dawn for being on this episode. I really appreciated your vulnerability and your openness and sharing your journey with a, dealing with both of you, dealing with a chronic illness and what it entails, which I think that this episode will really help those who are suffering and dealing with the same issues or on the other end, like Dawn, those who are supporting a loved one, a friend, a family member and what we can do in order to support them and be there for them. So thank you again both for being on this episode. And if you're looking for more information for Dawn, Michaela, and My July, it will all be linked down below in the show notes. Thank you again to you both. And if you found value in this episode, please rate and review this episode as it is as it is the easiest way to help the podcast grow and get to a wider audience. Feel free to leave remarks in the comments for any further topics you would like to hear about or a guest you would like to see on this podcast as we do read them. And I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Bye.